Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. He's still after your heart. It's just that he's relocated himself from the outside to the inside, and he's speaking to you from there. So I'm going to start a new series based on uh, Jim Richards' book, How to Stop the Pain. How many of you ever read that? Okay, good. Some of you, you can amen at the right points and help me out. But uh, we're going to have a few more copies brought in. You can get it on Amazon. You can get the Kindle version. I think it's available in all different kind of versions. I really highly recommend that you read the book. And you can you know, read it as we're going along. I'm going to cover it in about three weeks. So that's about seven chapters a week. So it's, we're going to kind of rush through some of the information. But I'll leave you with the highlights. Because I'm, I'm telling you, it is a book. You know, ask Vicki. Ask some of these people who use it in their counseling that the information alone is so simple but yet so profound. And it leaves you with just a couple of tools to change the way that you think. I mean, you know, that's the stuff, the thing about Jim's stuff. It always brings you to the point of repentance, and that is you change the way you think. So today you will be presented with the opportunity to change the way you think. Some of you, this stuff is common sense. You're like, oh, yeah, I, you know, that's no big deal. Some of you, it'll be earth-shattering. Some of you, next week, will get it. But I ask you, I'm going to give you a couple of points in here about how to maybe make some changes in the way that we think. And it, it, can, be, it can be freeing. I mean, it literally can be life-changing. Because the premise of the book is basically how to not walk in judgment or how to get yourself to a place where you're not constantly judging yourself, judging the people around you, and judging God. And we'll talk about what judging is. But I love the, the byline on the back cover. It says, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. Everything's possible. You can dream it. It's possible. You know, I mean, within the bounds of what he's created and promised toward us. But even beyond what you can think within that, it's possible. But one thing is impossible. You know what it is? Those of you here in first service, don't answer. Or you read the book, don't answer. Luke 17, verse 1. It's impossible but that offenses will come. So all things are possible, but one thing is impossible. It's impossible that you'll never be offended. How many of you have never been offended? <laughs> I'm offended that you're lying in church. <laughs> so offense, it's like a mask, you know? you begin to look at the world through whatever it is. The world is full of hurting people. You ever been hurt? What? Huh? Many times? A few times? A few hundred times, maybe? How many of you are really good at protecting yourself? How many of you have become so... Oh, I'll stop there. So... I'm just going to, I'm better at preaching my stuff, so I'm going to try and jump in my notes here. Uh, people are afraid to love and trust because of the pain that still lingers from past hurts. Now, see, there has to be an element of maturity that has grown into your life as a result of knowing that you're forgiven and accepted before God that brings you to a place where you can have healthy boundaries rather than pain-driven boundaries. Boundaries are good, but boundaries have to have the right motives. Boundaries have to be in place because you value people, and you value who God says that you are, and you're not going to put yourself in a position where you become a stumbling block for someone else. You become the source of dependency for someone else. You create some type of codependent environment 
where that person has you as an anchor in their life, whether as their source of pain or their source of connection with God, boundaries, because you know who you are and you know where you stand with people and who you're supposed to be for people and who you're not supposed to be for people, healthy boundaries put you in a place where it's like, no, you know, I, I will go this far with you, but I will stop here because you are needing me to be something that I can't be for you that only God can be for you. And so you, you don't pull away from those people. You just, you know, and, and sometimes people who need you, they think that they need you. They want you to be their source of dependency. And you set that boundary. To them, it's, it's a shock. Oh, wait a minute. You're supposed to, you're, you were this for me. And so then you're still there. You haven't gone anywhere. People draw back and then they want you to chase them. You know, you, if you start, did Jesus chase anybody? No. It's about boundaries. And so maturity has to define these boundaries for us. There's another book that Dr. Henry Cloud wrote called Boundaries. If you've never read that, man, I'd read that book. That is a just very practical, good book. will help you, you know, in a lot of ways. Amen. Thumbs up. <clears throat> so... We're going to talk about judgment and criticism and hurts and letting go of that stuff. But biblically, a carrying an offense, the Bible ties to oppression, I mean depression, and could be oppression, bitterness, and even health problems. I didn't look up the reference, maybe you know, but it's, there, there's a, I think it's in a, a proverb that says, anger is like rottenness to the bones. You know, that, that's, a, that's a medical statement. Uh, modern science recognizes that anger, the emotion of, of holding in anger, can cause bone deterioration. I mean, it's like, it's like a literal thing. There's all kinds of statements. Emotional statements produce physical results in our, in our lives. And it has everything to do with what's going on emotionally within us. Now, that doesn't mean if you've got bone issues, you've got an anger problem. I'm not trying to do the Western thing, one cause, one effect. It's just, it can be a factor. The point is, when we hold stuff in and we carry stuff, it can manifest as health issues. You know, especially depending on different behavior patterns. You've got someone who doesn't communicate verbally. They're kind of an internal processor. They deal with their stuff, and then they, they just kind of move on. Those people can hold stuff in, man, and it's like, I'm trying to keep it PG, but there are certain aspects about our bodies that, where we hold things in. It's funny how people that have certain behavior patterns don't communicate, their body responds in weird and different ways. Sometimes verbal people, you know, deal with exterior things. That's not a blanket statement that if you have skin issues, you're a loud mouth. That's not the point. It's just that there's so much that goes on within us with the emotional state that's in our minds and it has a lot to do with are we carrying offense, are we carrying unforgiveness, or are we standing in our forgiveness toward God, knowing that he has forgiven us, knowing that he accepts us, and then we can then live from that place toward the world. So <clears throat> people go to all kinds of different places with hurts, like victim mentality. You know what victim's mentality is? Victim's mentality can manifest in all different kinds of ways. It can put you in a place where your erratic behavior, to put it nicely, is justified because of what someone else did to you. You know what? What they did to you may be very good. What they did to you may be very bad. What, depending on how you react to it can create a certain type of mindset within you that I'm a victim. Because they did this to me, it's okay for me to do this to them or other people. You see, I was victimized here. It's not my fault. You ever heard that? It's not my fault. This is just the way I am. You're still a victim. If your statement is, this is just the way I am, as justification for not getting over yourself and growing up, you still carry a victim's mentality. See, because behavior is learned. All behavior is learned. So you, you are who you are in Christ as defined by what he's done towards you and in you. 
but how you behave and express things outwardly can be changed. You learned how to be the way that you are in this world and how you relate to people. You can change the way that you relate to people in this world. All behavior is learned. Well, I'm just a quiet person. I'm just an introvert. Yeah, you learned how to behave that way. If you would like to change how you behave, you can. But you can't if you're not confident in who you are in Christ, if you don't know how he sees you, and you aren't judging the people around you. You know, I grew up in kind of an environment, of a time where, you know, it was like, and I guess all guys go through this process, you, you know, you've got to be cool, got to be cool, got to intimidate people, you know, you've got to make people think that <clears throat> you're cool. So you do a bunch of dumb stuff trying to convince everybody else how cool you are, and inside you're thinking, I'm the most uncool person in the world. You know, have you ever done that? It's like, okay, I think I need to be this, so I will adapt and be this way. And then you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s or whatever, and it's like, why do I act like this? It's like you're still trying to get high school approval or something. I'm talking to myself too, you know. Don't look at me when you're with your, y'all can look past me with your responses, but I'm going to give you some truth. And, and, you know, sometimes it gets a little prickly and uncomfortable, but, uh, man, it, it if we can learn how to implement some of these things, there's so much freedom. It's, very, it's common sense. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know, but there's something about setting your intention towards something, focusing, bringing your attention to something to get it working in your seat. Because there's more than enough grace available directly from the throne of God, which somehow you are connected to with, from the inside that flows out of you, that gives you everything that you need. You owe no one anything except love because God commanded you to love. Did he not? Here's my commandment, that you love. He fulfilled the law for righteousness. The only laws that are left are love. Not for righteousness, but because you've been made righteous. That's good stuff. So victims' mentality can turn into vexation also. And, you know, you've seen this. You've, we've all read those profiles or watched those um, videos about people who've done just, just horrific atrocities, you know, maybe serial murderers or whatever. And, and you find out back in their past they were abused, they were abandoned, they had difficult things happen to them. They have a reason to be hurt. I mean, a legitimate, justified reason to feel pain. But see, here's the thing, and this is, this is difficult unless you know who you are in Christ, that nothing has the potential to hurt you that happens outside of you beyond the degree that you attach significance to it. Something happens to me, and because maybe it resonates and kind of brings a place of agreement with how I'm seeing myself in my own heart, I might come into agreement with why this happened to me, but I don't have to judge the why. See, that's what judgment is. Judgment is when you assume to know why. I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but we'll put it all back together. Judgment is, is when it has to do with people among one another is this, when I assume why. And then you treat those people based on your assumptions, you frame them up. You put them in your little box. You are this now. Now I'm going to relate to you this way. And man, that's how we live. We're trained to live that way. I'm going to sum you up. I'm going to size you up. And Man, sometimes you can see people doing it. Sometimes you don't. Now people walk into this place. I tell you what, I'm on trial when people come into this church to one degree or another. Some people, it's more. Some people, maybe it's not even there. It's like, okay, based on whatever their past church experience was, based on whatever their dad did to them, I mean, it's, it's odd how what gets put up here. And you look through all these filters in between your spot there and me. And, I'm, and I, unfortunately, you know, I, I submit that a lot of places will abuse and kind of reinforce a lot of that, the reason people come in on guard. And I'm not perfect. This place isn't going to be perfect. But that doesn't mean you have to come in and try to figure out, okay, how far can I go? What, what, who do I need to be here? That should never enter our minds ever in front of anyone, especially in church. 
you be you. You let me be me, I'll let you be you. So judgment in our lives, let's just look at what Jesus said about it. I'm going to read a couple of passages here. <clears throat> this is Matthew chapter 7. And, okay, Philip's back there. We're good. So uh, NIV, Matthew 7, 1, Jesus. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. In the same way you judge who? You will be judged by who? Good. Some people think that's God. Oh, if I judge you, God's going to judge me. Well, that's, that's not even what it's talking about. Why is it not talking about that? Because Jesus took our judgment. Very good. You get an A. Give him a star. <laughs> but it's true. And that, that's what I said from the beginning. When you read passages like this, don't somehow remove the cross from this moment. Don't remove your new covenant identity from this moment. You know, a lot of times we, you reread things remembering, okay, this is who I am in Christ. Now let me read. Oh, it's not even talking about what God's going to do to me. It's talking about what other people do to me. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. In the same measure you meet, it will be measured to you. And then let's jump over to Luke 6, verse, verse 36. So basically you reap what you sow. Next week we're going to talk about the fault-finding and critical eye, the plank in our eye, trying to get the splinter out of your eye. But that's all in the same area. But this week we're just going to deal with judgment and how to get set free from the pain. So Luke 6, 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So that's the standard. Verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Now, in verse 38, it's like this is the money scripture, right? Let's bring this out when we're talking about tithing. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Or in other translations, it says, will men give unto your bosom? A bosom was, you know, they wore their tunics and you would, you would pull it up to collect whatever it was you were gathering. And they would put it in and you'd shake it, you know, you'd press it down, shake it. It's like a wheelbarrow. You shake it up and, you know, it packs it down. This is the picture here. Whatever you give... It's going to come back, but more. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over will be given to you. Now, you've seen this happen. You ever opened your mouth and you're like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to, I need to say this. And then the reaction, people blow up at you. Did I scare you? Sorry. <laughs> Why did you? Well, that was a bit of an overreaction. Oh, yeah? Well, whatever you give will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You give criticism, you get more back. You give judgment, you get more back. Have you, have you seen that? I mean, it's multiplied when it comes back to you. Why did they react that way? All I said was that their hair would, didn't look good today. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know what kind of trigger you set off. When you ventured into truth land. <laughs> I just told him the truth. Let's just handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. <clears throat> this is a quote directly from the book. Emotional pain becomes our window to the world. We look at everything around us and judge it in light of our past pain. Unfortunately, gazing through this framework creates an endless cycle of new pain and a reaffirmation of false paradigm of life. For the person in pain, the past equals the future. Life becomes a series of reoccurring pains that never seems to end. You know, we are really, really interestingly made. We attract to us whatever is going on inside of us, whether that be what we believe we deserve in this world, what we feel toward other people, what we believe about ourselves, just kind of the general emotional makeup that's within you, you attract to you. And you filter the world around you through that. It's just the way it happens. Now, stuff out of your control will happen to you. Your 
present day experience is a combination of your choices. You are where you are because these are the choices that you've made. But the emotional aspect of it is how you see yourself, how you think God sees you, and what you think other people think about you. And so then, because of all that, and we need whatever we need, we will judge other people. So they start treating us this way. Well, this is why you did this. I came in church, and I was standing there, and I was doing what I was supposed to do, and Clint walked past me and didn't even look at me, didn't even, didn't even notice what I was doing. He did not even thank me for all the work that I've been doing here. I tell you what, he's just kind of a rude person. You know what? I don't know that he ever really even liked me. You know, I don't even know. You know what? I knew it. This message is too good to be true. God, you're just, you're just not. No. Just no. I, I, I think I'm going to leave. That'll show them. All the while, I just got off the phone with somebody who's, you know, we just talked down from suicide or I need to go find somebody to get something done because there's, you know, 80 people that, you know, and it's like, it's not a justification for when somebody does something wrong, but you don't have to go there. You don't have to attach such the degree of significance that it creates pain for you. If there's a source of pain that comes in your life and you have the opportunity to communicate about it, go to that person and say, hey, this is what happened. This is how I feel. You have the right to do that. And hopefully that person can be mature about it and listen and respond and say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I will, I will change. Or they may even respond and say, well, that's not what I meant. In fact, that's not even what I said. What I said was this. Well, yeah, but I heard this. Okay, well, is that, you know, is that me or you? What did you hear? Again, not a justification for people to treat you rudely or you to stay in a situation that's abusive, but the pain comes from the significance that we attach. Yeah. That person could come back and say, well, I didn't mean to do that. You know, so then depending on where we are in the psychosis, we may say, well, I don't care if you meant to say it. I still feel this way. Rather than, oh, maybe I should change how I'm thinking about it based on where we've come to a common ground on. That, I'm telling you, that's what we do, especially in marriage. You go to that person, well, you did this. I'm sorry, I'm going to change. Now, hopefully they change. This is in kind of a evil, even playing, evil. <laughs> even playing field. That there is going to be cooperation and communication. You don't have the right to believe something other than what that person tells you. Now, if their track record bears out something over a period of time that their actions are different than what they've said, you still don't have a right to judge the actions, just observe the actions. And you, all, you shouldn't go to a place where you judge yourself based on their actions. You know, you grew up in an abusive situation. My father did this to me, and he did this because I'm worthless. Well, is that true? Okay, well, if you don't go through that and let him go from your judgment and let go of the judgment you have toward yourself, you are 35 years old and you still think you're worthless. When the reality of the matter is that person would have done that to anyone, whoever was in front of them, because of whatever was going on in their hearts. Usually when people do things toward you, it rarely has anything to do with you. It's them. I, you just happen to be the one standing there. And it's really, really complicated when it's family members or spouses or loved ones or children or something like that because there's so much significance in the relationship. But if we can let that go, if we can stand in front of God and say, okay, God, this is happening to me, and not blame God you know, I mean, the goodness of God message has to permeate every aspect of our lives. Otherwise, we won't go to him for help and trust that he's actually going to help. So assuming that you, your inner world before God is I'm accepted, he sees me as Jesus, I'm righteous, he's not seeking to judge me, and he doesn't need me to behave properly 
in order to be willing to help me. Reset who you are before God and don't judge the other people. So, yes, that other person may have done this to you. But if you go to the why, that person did this because they believe this about me or they feel this about me, you, you really don't know. You, you don't know. You don't know what's going on in someone's heart. In fact, you may go to somebody and say, hey, you did this. Why'd you do that? I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I didn't even know I was doing that. I mean, that's usually the common response that you're going to get. But because we have this vengeance, uh, whatever, <laughs> that we want to see justice. We want to see things put right. And God said, vengeance is mine. So we say, that's right, God, you go punish them. <laughs> you take care of it. Get them. And in fact, this is what I think you should do. God. Because if they, if, they would just, if they would just see how stupid they are here, then everything would be okay for me. And God says, well, you know what? I died for that one too while they were a sinner. I love that one as much as I love you. I favor that one as much as I favor you. I'm trying to do everything for that person that I'm trying to do for you. But, you know, we know this stuff, right? I mean, you, it's not that you don't know it, but I hope this puts you in a place where I'm going to make the decision to stop judging. So here's your homework. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> you guys ever seen that? Bob Newhart? She shows up. She shows up and says, I have this fear of being buried in a box. Well, has anyone ever tried to bury you in a box? No. Have you ever been buried in a box? No. Then stop it. <laughs> it's so funny. <clears throat> you don't want me to counsel you. I'm a Bob Newhart counselor. Uh, so, man, I'm telling you, this will be such a relief for you if you will set people free from your judgment. You do not have to know or assume the why. I mean, just think about that. With yourself, you know, it's like, okay, I want to do this. I didn't do that. I didn't do that because I'm worthless. I didn't do that because I'm just, I may even be going to hell. I mean, I'm I've seen, you've seen, I've seen a lot. I mean, I literally have talked with people who question their own salvation because one thought gets in their mind and they think, I'm going to hell because I do this. Divorce is a big one. Man, I'm telling you, just this past year, about three different people who were just consumed to the point of ending their lives because they thought they were going to hell because they had a divorce. And then we laugh. It's like, oh, oh. it's like, oh, man. If God had a divorce, is he going to hell? He divorced himself from the people. He used that language. I'm divorcing you from my covenant. Anyway, that's beside the point. That was a, that was a deep rabbit trail there. <laughs> so judgment. Now, we judge ourselves. I don't deserve this. I, I should just settle for this kind of job. I should just settle for this kind because after all, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just whatever. No. You know what you deserve? What Jesus deserves. That's right. You deserve what God gave Jesus. Not because of anything you've done, but because that's what Jesus decided he would do with what he got from God. Hey, I'm going to give it to them too. I will share my name, my authority, my power, my inheritance, my kingdom, my dad. They can have it all because I just want to be with them. That's what you deserve. Other people Something happens to you, you don't have to know the why. You don't have to attach the why. They did this. Well, they did this. And, you know, usually it's, it's interesting. Watch what happens. 
When you assume the whys about other people, it usually touches on where you struggle within yourself. I mean, that should be a light bulb moment for us. Wait a minute. Maybe this is not really about what's going on out here. Maybe this is something going on inside of me because after all, because of this, here we are again. We are the common denominator in every offense, whether the external be justified or not, right? <clears throat> With God, God, I prayed, and, and, and I'm still in this situation. So what are you going to do with that? Are you going to build the denomination that God doesn't do this anymore? Are you going to take those scriptures out? Are you going to come up with a reason why he's not doing it for you? We put God on trial. Okay, well, so God, um, I asked you for that. I see it in the word. Jesus says this, whatever this is for you. I've tried to believe it. It's not in my life. Therefore, it's your fault somehow that I don't have it because I see that you said I should have it. So now, God, you are this. You are evil. You are withhold. You don't care. God, you don't see me. God, you, some, some reason I am less than those people who I'm judging have what they want. I mean, you know, if we could remove the why when we look at God, I'm t man, <laughs> do not judge. He says very clearly. If we could learn to not judge God, man, then you could read the word. You could pray, you could worship, and you could just say, God, I see that you say this. I see that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I see that by his stripes I am healed. I see that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. I see that Jesus never turned anyone away who came to him for healing. I see that he said, the works that I do, you'll do. I see that Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God, I have asked you for this I don't know how many times. Stop short of the why and you can just stand in believing. You can just stand in understanding there is a spiritual reality for whatever reason is not in my physical reality at the moment. I don't have to judge why. It doesn't matter. What, what does it matter why? If it's on God's part, you're coming up with the wrong why anyway. Well, yeah, but you know, sometimes God will let me go through this to teach me a lesson. No. James said, no, don't get this part wrong. Don't ever say that when the difficulty comes that it's from God. It's the good stuff that comes from the Father of lights. Trials, tribulations, all that stuff is a result of this world. It's a result of when we enter into temptation. When lust bears fruit unto sin, we enter into temptation. And then what we do from there is we judge God. God's your fault. I don't have this. Because... and. Th and but then, see, watch where it goes. It goes all the way back again to where your original insecurities are. And so, man, it's like this cycle. You know, we don't have in our minds and our lives what we see in the Word we should have. And it then, because we judge God, it then reinforces all the way back to our original insecurities again of why we're even making the kinds of decisions we are in this life. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you, you look at God out here through this thing. I mean, you know, we've been talking six years about how let's relocate God where he actually lives in our spirits, and he's looking at us through Christ who is in us, and he's speaking to our hearts to inspire and compel us to live out what he's done in our spirits. But then when we start coming and dealing with stuff we want from God, we put him back out there. God, I'm going to look at you through this. <clears throat> Let go of the why for yourself, for people, for God. Deal with the root. The root 
can sometimes be identified easily. Sometimes you may need help. There are all different ways to figure out what the root is. And you don't really have to do this whole introspective process, you know? I mean, I know that there are some ministries that do inner healing. And the ones that do it grace-based from a finished work perspective, man, praise God. I'll put your letters on the window. Let's do it that way. But the ones where it's like, you got this problem? Let's go find out why. Ooh, wait a minute. You mean I got to judge myself to figure out why I'm doing this from the first place? No, I don't want to go down that road. I'm doing this. Okay, let's first reaffirm who the truth, what the truth is. Now let's deal with the truth. Now let's get you to a place where you believe the truth and you let that stuff go. I was saying, so much of inner healing ministry is putting ourselves in a position to judge ourselves. This is happening. Let me figure out why. And it's like always a demon, right? It's his fault. <laughs> Wait, you mean God wants nothing but good for me? Okay, so it's your fault, devil. It's not because I have not taken responsibility to believe what Jesus has done in me and allowed this mindset to continue. The, the, the grace... Faith righteousness, freedom message, more than anything, is a message of personal responsibility. Not responsibility of taking fault, but taking responsibility to believe the truth. Because the truth will set you free. Don't ever let yourself engage in a situation where they start trying to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Because here's the thing, if you get down to why you're doing it, maybe you were abused and you're doing this. Okay, well, so how do I get set free? Oh, now let's deal with that part. Now, start at the truth. If something else is revealed in the process, deal with it. <clears throat> because you have been made perfect and God and Jesus has presented you holy and he has sanctified you, made you holy, sealed you with his spirit and you stand before God righteous and you have this inner wellspring of grace rising up inside of you that leads you and guides you into all truth, in every situation, then you deal with this world from there. So, just touch on the demonic for a second. They love to, they love it when you believe a lie because it's the only power they have. So, if you start from that place that I just described and you come across that, oh yeah, you've got one of those slippery little suckers messing around in your life and maybe they've been there for a really long time and you're seven generations in the past, they have no right. You know, I, I, don't, I don't believe in generational curses in the sense that a curse has the authority because the curse sounds like it has an authority or a right to be there. It, it's, a, it's a generational lie. Now, if you actually believe that a curse is a spoken negative like it, what it really is, then yes, it's a generational curse, but only because it's a lie that has remained that your family has bought over and over and over and over. But it has no authority. It has no right to be there. You're not doomed to repeat your generations because someone hasn't taken a knife and cut that soul tie. If that happens in your ministering to people, do it because it will help them connect with the truth, right? I mean, I'm not making fun of that. But you're not destined to whatever it is that your grandfather sacrificed to. However, because of genetics, because of DNA, because of uh, your parents being raised by that person and then they raised you, it can reinforce that lifestyle, those same thought patterns, and all of that stuff can create the right kind of environment for those things to reinforce those same kind of lies because of the way that you think. All a stronghold is, is a lie that you believe, it's a belief that you have in and of your own mind and heart because of whatever has happened in your life. And the enemy loves to reinforce that stronghold. But see, here's the thing. You remove the lie and the enemy goes with it. That's what they're attached to. Is that good news? See, because in Colossians, he is preeminent. He has taken the handwriting and the ordinances that was against you and nailed it to his cross and made a show of the enemy openly, 
stripped him of every ounce of power that he has, cut his thumbs off, cut his toes off, drug him through the street naked and said, look, he's done. That's what making a show of him openly means. This, this guy has been stripped of all rank and power. He, has, he holds absolutely no authority in the spiritual dimension. He's under your feet. So if you believe a lie, it's like you got to, you know, you have to get down on his level to see yourself the way that he's trying to get you to reinforce. He's not creative. The enemy only works with what you give him. I mean, are you tempted to do things you don't want to do? That's a rhetorical question. I'll ask it again. I mean, are you tempted to go out there and slam your hand in the door? No, you don't really want to do that, right? You're only tempted to do what you want to do. He doesn't just show up and make you do things. The devil made me do it. You, you always have a choice. I've been possessed. I know what I'm talking about. I mean, hearing voices, the whole gamut. I mean, I'm telling you, wrote a book about it. Got people who can testify. They thought I was nuts. I was. Scared the living daylights out of them and me. But always there was a sense of, I have a choice. I was not a believer, had never been born again. Hearing audible voices as clearly as I'm hearing you, conversing with them, living a life with them, but yet still in every moment had a choice to listen and follow what they were telling me or do what this somehow internal moral compass was leading me. Now, people can say, okay, well, then you had this kind of oppression. There's other seven levels of oppression, like, whatever. If there is, I don't know about all that. I know about one level, and it's these voices are telling me I'm dead. Oh, I believe them. You're telling me to do this. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. That was another rabbit trail. <clears throat> We're talking about judgment here. So I'll read this quote. <clears throat> the, these are some ideas from this book. The moment we assume why, we attach significance. But nothing has the power beyond the significance you attach to that matter to hurt you continually. If you're in a position, especially with children, they've been hurt, it's a terrible injustice, it's not right, it's beyond their control, they didn't ask for it, they didn't believe something within themselves that created this situation, they were victimized. But as you grow and you learn the truth that that person did that and it was an injustice, are you still going to judge yourself based on that? Or are you going to say that person was a whatever, but it doesn't define who I am? See, because if we let those things define who we are, then a vexation can set in. The word vexed means when you are consumed with something. And when you are consumed with something, you focus on it. And when you focus on something, you think about it. And when you think about it, it produces emotions. And when you have emotions, you act on them. Whether it's good or bad. Vexation is usually you've got, an, you've got this evil or negative offense that's stuck. And people repeat the same kinds of patterns, you know. A person that grew up watching their mother be abused and hated their father for it ends up abusing their spouse. Why? Because that vexation creates such strong emotion that you, you repeat that same emotional thing that you let cycle through you. When Jesus, Jesus said, be careful when your brother offends you. Well, wait a minute. I thought he should be careful. So if you offend her, he says, you be careful. Because that offense will then create this emotional cycle within you where you either keep putting yourself in that situation, allow it, justify it, or develop a self-hatred, whatever it is. When you are offended, you better watch out. Because where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What are you going to allow it to define about who you are? In fact, I would ask you this. Is there anything about your life now that you have let define you that happened in your past? Mm -hmm. 
And, and, and where does that, where's the significance now? How much significance is still attached to it? You can be free. Man, there's this, there's this couple, Bob and Audrey Meisner. <clears throat> They're very public about their story. They wrote a book called, uh, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the name of the book. But I'm going to get some copies here. We're going to have them here to speak on marriage. She had an affair, um, became pregnant, and then ended the affair went back to her husband and told her what had happened. So they go through the process of walking out forgiveness. She has the child, and they raise the child together. Now, here's the crazy thing, and I told her this directly, straightforward. When they come and minister, and I've heard them tell their testimony a couple of different times, when she starts telling her testimony, you're sitting there, you're like, you start looking at him. Okay, where's he still with it? Because the kid's like 14, 15 now. And you look at him, and you're like, okay, what's going on? Where's he at? And you, start, you, you feel your own judgments toward her and toward him as you're listening to their testimony. I'm just being honest. Did you hear? Okay. Yeah. I think we even talked about this. Yeah. So, he gave, he gave that yeah, gave that, yeah. He's, this is his son that he's raised. So she starts talking, right? And you're like, Man, I don't know if I could ever get over that. And, and so you're left with this thing of, oh, my gosh. And she's very charismatic and funny and likable. And she gets up there and you think, you know, you just, all type of stuff flies out toward her. Then he gets up and starts talking. And he talks about the kind of forgiveness that has borne fruit in his heart and in his life. And, it, and, he, and he, you can tell it's so real that he goes to this place of love for his wife, love for this child who he calls his son, and you're sitting there thinking, my goodness, I didn't know forgiveness could be so powerful. And you realize this guy, there is nothing about that instance that even remotely enters in this guy's mind that's negative. He's let it go. Yet they travel the world talking about it. Man, I'm telling you, that's the power of letting it go. That's the power of eliminating the significance of negativity attached to a moment. And it's powerful. You know, we can have that. There, it is possible for you to be completely free where there is not one, one, mo one emotion generated that's attached to what happened to you in your past. It's possible. There is that place of freedom. There is that place of forgiveness. There is that place of not letting judgment rise up inside of you where you can look back. Like the thing that I went through, and, and, and the, I, man, I can, I can describe the fear, I can describe the voices, I can describe it to you in detail, but, but it has, the, it's like a dream almost when I'm describing it. It has no sense of fear. In fact, it's a sense of confidence. There was something that happened within me that when I would hear these voices and I started wondering if it was too late for me or if I still had a chance with God that I would hear God laugh within me. It'd be like, he'd start, I could hear him laughing. And it, man, it's like, <laughs> devil, you ain't nothing. And, and it just got to this place where I, every now and then I would still hear a voice, then I'd hear this laughter, God would rise up. Man, it just generated such a place of confidence to where even now, you know, I can walk into a room and, and like, like at first, it, it, I thought it was my fear. I'd walk into a room and I'd feel fear and like, oh my gosh, the demons are going to come and suck me down into the ground again. Because you know, all this weird stuff happened when I was going through it. But <clears throat> now I can walk into a room and if, if there's fear, it's like, okay, who's dealing with it? Because I'm free from it. And that doesn't make me some superman. It's just, no, I've seen what God can do. And it just happens to have been through me. You can do that. You could be at a place with whatever has happened to you in your past that's still creating pain. And when you hear other people talk about it, there is such a powerful confidence within you that you've got the answer to help them get set free. Because you've been there. 
confidence. Man. So we think judging or assuming why will protect us from future pain. But really, we're just putting up boundaries. Because assuming who or why causes us to form an opinion about something and then we relate to that person or ourselves based on the judgment. So I'm going to read a quote, another quote here. If the events of our lives were the source of our torment, then we would have no control over our future. Does that make sense? If the event, if what happened to you was the source of your torment, then you'd have no control over your future. We would be doomed to coincidence or what is worse. In an attempt to understand life's circumstances, we would convince ourselves that God brought or allowed these things into our lives for some purpose. So if you're in this mindset that this happening to me is why I'm in pain, then you're just subjected to, I don't know what else is going to happen. Maybe God's allowing it. Of course, subjectively determining that purpose would cause us to decide why God allowed it. In other words, puts us in a place to judge God. See, it's not really the event that's causing you the pain. It's where you've gone with it in your mind and heart. It's what you've allowed it to become to you. Yes, this happened to me. I did not like it. It was painful. It shouldn't have happened. But I will not allow it to continue to fester within me. And you move on. People do what they do, not because of you, but because of who they are or what they believe. So Luke 1, you know, Luke 17, 1 talked about don't judge. The remainder of, this is a quote from the book, the remainder of Luke 17, verses 3 through 4, gives us what should be our motive for the rebuke. This is if you go to this person and you decide to, you, you have, still have the opportunity to communicate. And the scripture says, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass again against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again and say to you, saying, I repent, will you, you should forgive him. See, our goal should be to bring the offender to repentance. The goal cannot be punishment. Punishment is the penalty that we think a person deserves based on our judgment. Judgment precedes vengeance. So until we pass judgment... We have no desire for vengeance. Remember, we have no right to vengeance. God said vengeance belongs to him in Romans 12, 19. The mere fact that we are seeking vengeance indicates that we have entered in to judgment. Let me clarify about seeking to bring this person to repentance. Repentance means to change your mind, change the way that you think. Repentance, contrary to what the church has made us think repentance is not where you come down here and you feel really bad for what you did and you beg and plead and cry for God to forgive you. That's not, that's not repentance. Re confessing your sin is to say the same thing that God says about your sin, which is, I'm forgiven. You have removed this sin from me. So now I repent. I will change the way that I think and I will believe the truth. I will believe that I'm righteous. I will believe that this sin has no power over me. I am free from this thing. And then, and your heart is sprinkled from an evil conscience. You, there's no sin consciousness in that. There's no guilt in new covenant repentance. There's no guilt in, in, in new covenant repentance. Jesus was tried, judged, and penalty executed for your sin. There's no guilt. Man, that's powerful. So, <clears throat> how then do we live with people who do things that are not so pleasant? Well, it's boundaries. And it's, you know, are you going to continue to let them or are you going to choose to communicate and are you going to stick to that boundary? And if that boundary is, boundary is continually violated, are you going to do what it takes to remove yourself from that situation regardless of the fear that comes along with making some kind of move like that? 
The way you know people is their track record. Sometimes you don't even really know people based on what they've said, you know based on what they've done. But their track record still doesn't give you the right to judge them. They've done this, and I've seen them do it 12 times, so that means this about them. Well, you know what? It may mean that, but you don't have the right to come up to that judgment and that summation and attach that to them and then pigeonhole that person. Here's where we walk. This is, this is what the world needs. I'm going to read two more quotes here. Actually, I'm going to read one more, and then I'm going to finish. Learning to observe and not judge has saved, this is Jim talking, has saved me from so much pain and conflict, it has also forced me to face my own issues. Why do I often want to say no and the lack of strength to do it? and lack the strength to do it. Why do I often want to say yes and don't follow through? Judgment. Judgment focuses on the other person so that we can execute or excuse our actions. When we judge, we are no longer motivated by our hearts but by the wis- or, or the wisdom of God's word, the voice of God in our hearts, or the love of God in our hearts. Instead, we are led by our attempts to be the God of our own world. And this limits us to the wisdom of our judgments. And how wise are your judgments? Maybe, they're re- maybe you're really good at judging. Maybe you can cut to the truth and you're pretty accurate in your judging. But maybe it still creates pain for you. You know what? Let them go. It doesn't matter why they did what you did or what they did. The, why, the only why that matters is why did God reach out to me? Because I am loved by him. I am valued by him. I am just as valuable as any person on this planet. You know, this is something, and I don't even know where I picked this up, but <clears throat> make this an exercise for yourself, you know? And, and when, you're, when we're young, man, it's like Sarah was telling me, somebody posted on Facebook, are they canceling trick-or-treating because there's an East Coweta football game? And it's like, that's got to be a teenager. They think the world revolves around them. No offense over there, guys. <laughs> so you got a choice now. <laughs> but you ever do this where you like you're driving, you're driving, and maybe you see somebody in a car, and you're like, I wonder what their world is, because that person is just as important as I am. That person has just as much going on in their life as I do. Their life may be even more exciting than mine. Their life may be more miserable than mine. But it's like. You know, there's there's a whole world out there of people going through stuff. Why do we think we are so important? That's just a side note. But the world needs this from us, and that is to fulfill the commandments of Jesus. Love God, believe on his name, and love people. And, you know, I tell you, you can't love people without strings when you're carrying offenses and unforgiveness. If the body of Christ would do this, would walk in this place of being convinced of God's love for us, uh, not judging, this is what the world would look like. People would come to us. Maybe there's a demonstration from a particular lifestyle that comes toward the church. And the church can love or the church can point the finger and use scripture to point the finger. What's going to end the cycle of attack and criticism? What is it that's going to maybe empower that person to change the way they see themselves and see God? Is it me standing unoffended? You know, God's not offended. Why should we be? He loves those people. If we can, you know, if, when that stuff comes, if it finds no place in us to come into harmony with the offense and lash back according to what's been given to us. See, we can end the cycle of giving back what's been given to us. If we walk in love with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with the world around you, and especially remember this going into Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're going to you know, be around your family. It's like, okay. It doesn't mean you're a, you're a closed trap and you're an autom- automaton. will not let it affect me. I will go, I will not, you know. It's, 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 no, I will be consumed. I will let love rule within me. 
and I will walk in this. And when that stuff comes, it ends. And I will not give back what has been given to me. That person needs you to do that. What if you're the one that has been offended? And your behavior towards someone justifies them to continue to feel their own unworthiness. Somebody did something to you, you, they come to you, and you, man, you don't ever let them forget it. Whether it be in your body language or whatever, it's just you, just you just ooze back to them. You did this to me. And it reinforces back to this person, yep, I'm worthless. Look at what I've done. You are the mirror that they are looking to to reinforce their own self-hatred. What if when they look to you to try to find their justification for feeling so negative about themselves, all they find is love? I mean, how powerful would that be? If you end the cycle and you stop giving people an excuse to feel unworthy about themselves because it has no place in you any longer. That's, that's what I want to be. That's what I believe the body of Christ should be for this world, that we go into this world and we are not offended by the sin that is thrown into our faces. Man, you're, you're set up to judge people because of the way of this world system. Politics, news, everything that's going on around is designed to draw persecution out of the church. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was accused. Let's let him have it on our behalf, and let's actually walk in love.